Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bear Tone Podcast, where we discuss and talk about everything Old Bear Records. Today, we have a crazy cool interview um, with a group that uh, is called The Trees Community. They're a group from the 1970s, and we recently, earlier this year, just reissued their vinyl um reissued their vinyl and it's available now you can pick up a copy for yourself and it's awesome awesome music the trees community is a group that started in 1970 in manhattan um, where they lived in an abandoned loft together starting off with oh like a 20 or 30 people living together and um, discovering what truth is was one of their uh, purposes But along the way, they started playing music together and they traveled all over the country taking um, their cues and their musical identity from different places where they stopped along the way. The Trees community has a cult following all over the world, let me tell you that, including some of our modern day artists who would say that their musical influences come heavily from the trees. Uh, One of those being the lead singer of Fleet Foxes, actually. So, joining us today from the Trees community, David and Catherine. Let's have a listen. actually not a musician. Um, at least I don't consider myself a professional musician in the same sense that Kath- Catherine is or anybody in the group who is like really a professional musician. But um, um, I, I, I studied violin was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in the group, I mostly played percussion and sang, although I did play violin sometimes, but not very well. Um, and my real uh, background is in art. Uh-huh. I was an art, art major, and I met the trees through a friend of mine at at my high school, music and art high school, which is now LaGuardia Arts, hmm. which is a pretty famous place that mm-hmm. hangs out a lot of music people and art people and dancers and theater people. Um, so, um, so I met um, the trees through a friend who was actually a music major um, who was performing in a group called Stomp. Um, it was kind of a combination uh, group experience, uh, which is uh, like an all improv group uh-huh. um, that was at the time just starting, just starting out for the first time in 1966. Well, so that what was interesting about that is that People who came in the original days, those early loft days, and the very beginning of the group, they weren't necessarily musicians. They might just be theater people, as he was saying, right. or they might 
might be dancers. One of the musicians in our group was a not a musician, but a but a professional ballet dancer. Mm. So whatever, it didn't matter. You just kind of let the spirit lead you and guide you and play whatever you play and pick up whatever you, instrument you picked up. And so those early days were a lot of that improvisational type of of music. So you didn't have to necessarily know how to play your instrument. And yeah. then those of us, you know, who who came along, I didn't know how to play harp when I first got in the trees. I taught myself, and so a lot of us taught ourselves, which lended a different feeling to the music than probably a professional musician picking up their cello or something would have. So tell us a little bit more about the loft days, the the early days as you were talking about. It was a space where it was a community of of people like you were talking about. Maybe just maybe share some experiences from that from those uh, early days. So the loft days began. There was already two two guys living there. Uh, Shippen and Ariel lived in this the very top attic of a uh, a brownstone. Uh-huh. And that building was being condemned, so it was starting to... They hadn't quite condemned it yet. They posted the notice after after we'd been there about eight months. But we knew that that was coming down, so the rent was like next to nothing. There was no hot water. You had to go to the church down the street to get water. And it was an interesting experience because they had taken this loft that had a bunch of machine parts and everything in it, old sewing machines and stuff uh-huh. and industrial stuff. And they stripped all that out and then they redid the floors. They kind of put like a little ash ramp thing in the corner with a Buddha mm-hmm. statue, beautiful art. And there were tapestries hanging from the ceiling and then people pitched tents, you know, either a real little pup tent or, uh, you know, madras cloth, uh-huh. you know, little tents that they handmade. And people would come and go and there and just have these long sessions of discussion, hmm. largely with Shippen being the leader of the discussions. But if he wasn't there, it didn't matter. Somebody else would pick up a book and start talking about that. It wasn't Christian in the beginning. Okay. It was, uh, we were studying Eastern religions, the Urantia book, the I Ching, Scientology even, mm-hmm. uh, to Tibetan Buddhism, and a lot of the Eastern religions. Um just to, essentially, everybody who came there was like a seeker, yeah, seeking for the yeah. You know, I mean, that that's kind of was the time anyway, right? Sure, sure. So, so people who came and stayed were people who were interested in finding answers. And um, at one point, uh, we ha- we had I don't know, probably about eighteen to twenty people living in there. Oh wow! Um, oh my goodness! Yeah. So quite a few, and and just people like like David Karasek, he came along and and left where he was staying and joined, and I brought two of my girlfriends from school up, and they stayed for quite a while, and Shippen's hmm. friends moved in, and and so it it just grew, just kind of naturally. There wasn't any plan for that; it just happened, and the, and the music evolved 
I, you know, to be honest with you, it evolved because we were doing LSD and drugs and stuff. So, I mean, that, 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 that was a, uh, that's something you can definitely do when you're doing LSD. Sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, and you got a bunch of instruments, and then you can, of course, envision different journeys that you take, and it would be like two or three hours uh, of wherever we went, you know, and everybody's really into it. And then at the end, you and, it, and you know, you might even seem like choirs of angels are singing with you, or or you were on a ship in the middle of the ocean, and it was creaking, and... And everybody would, the interesting thing was that everybody would experience the same thing without saying anything. Huh. They would, of course, you know, they would, when we'd, at the end, we'd talk about it and say, did you hear that, you know, or did you hear the whale jump out of the water or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so, it, you know, it was just, that part was so cool. Yeah. And, um, and then we, there was in a, a house of musical tradition just nearby. We would go and just gradually kind of add to the instrumentation with uh, a uh, ship and got a sitar and then you got a tambura or Ariel had the tambura. Just different. And I, and I got my harp mm-hmm. and gradually, uh, added to the collection and and the, that music that we played on the album didn't really evolve till later on uh but in the last days was the experimentation part the part sure. where you kind of learn how to to play cohesively and uh, and let things happen as they'll happen which is uh, you know like that's how improvisational music works right right and it does have that feel still i mean it still has uh, yeah. Even when you went to record it, it still had that that kind of spontaneous ebb and flow type of feeling to it, you know. So we were just, David, we were just talking about the early loft days. Maybe you have um, some experiences that you would like to share from that time. Yeah, um, well, actually, um, um, I just shared with Catherine a whole um, draft of a book that I was writing, just mostly a memoir, um, of my experiences as to why I ended up in the loft, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. So, um, so Catherine actually rescued me um, from, um, I was living in a foster group home before that, uh-huh. and, um, and things weren't going very well there. So, so she, so what happened first was, you know, I met the group with my friend from music at art high school, and then, um, um, like maybe a day later, um, all this fallout happened where I was living, um, and and they 
basically said, well, you know, why don't you just come live with us? So, um, so I started, um, living with then, uh, just Catherine Shippen and Ariel. There uh-huh. were only the four, four of us in the loft at that time. And yeah, there really wasn't yeah, very, very beginning. Yeah. There wasn't any structure. People just came and went. Um, but there are a lot of people that came uh-huh. even then just for fun and were just to bang around on, you know, the couple of instruments that we had at the time or, you know, just talk about philosophy um, and read all kinds of books. And the place, the place looked like um, a shrine. You know, it, yeah. it looked like noth- nothing you would see in North America. You know, mm-hmm. like right. as if you took a Tibetan monastery and transported yeah. it to an abandoned building in, in the East Village. Yeah. That's what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. Um, um, and it was immaculate, you know, like it was just, you know, busted down. Um, attic that was completely transformed aesthetically into this beautiful place. Mm. Um, and here I am basically living in this temple, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, um, and that was the experience. Um, uh. You know, and the rest evolved from there. We were in the loft from, what would you say, David, uh, June to basically almost a year. From mm. June 1970 to we left in May 71. Right. Uh, yep. So, I would say it's like nine months. It's enough time to have a kid. <laughs> it's like giving birth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, so just so we have the timeline, basically, you guys all met together in the loft in New York City, and then at some point, you guys bought a bus, and yep. all packed yeah, into this. Yeah, because they condemned the building. Oh, okay. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Uh huh. Yeah. So they condemned the building. We had to get out. We had they put posted a notice. We didn't have a door. There was just a, a, a blanket there, but <laughs> so they they taped it next to the blanket, but. Uh, they told us you got so much time to get out. And we're like, oh my god, do we find another loft or what? We decided to get a, bu- a Roger, uh, one of the good friends of shipping who'd been in advertising with shipping. He decided that uh, a bus would be a good way to do it. So we got a bus, and um, all the guys, David, you, and shipping, and Ariel, they all took out the seats and refurbished it to be a really cool like RV. Oh, that's cool. You know, a, a home, yeah, a yeah. home with a pot belly yeah. stove and an oven and beds that turned into tables and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and uh, and we painted it white instead of yellow. Yeah, painted um, it white. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and coated it with Bible quotes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you go on the blog site, you'll see uh, pictures of yeah, I, that. 
Rizno bus, yeah. I did see that. Yeah, it looks it looks awesome. So you guys went all the way from New York City down to Texas and landed in Texas for a, a season where you really began to, as you guys were just talking about, um, solidify some material. Um, and then where did you guys start to what? Tell us about the recording process of this of this project of um, of the Christ Tree. Well, the recording process, I believe, happened in 1974, formally. But before that, there were a lot of informal attempts at recording us. The first one was at um, oh, the, yeah. Abbey of, the Abbey of Gethsemane. Um, so um, there was actually a CD recording um, of that um, as part of the, the, um, the box, box set. The box okay. set that was produced in 2004, uh-huh. and that was the earliest um, recording of us, um, and that um, was a really nice recording. Unfortunately, the, the space is very live, you know, it was done in a chapel, which is very, you know, um, yeah, resonant, resonant. Yeah. so there's a bit of resonant. echo in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was actually the first professional recording or professional-like recording that anyone did of us. Oh, cool. Um yeah, um, and that was in 1971, um, but um, or the end of 1971, and it wasn't until 1973 that we did any more attempts at recording. That we tried to do a cassette tape in this terrible studio in Santa Fe. Terrible didn't, studio, terrible. Yeah, mm. Didn't didn't come out very well. <laughs> um, and then uh, in 1974. Four, five, um, the the um, the actual LP was recorded in a professional studio. Yeah, that was up in uh, Glen Arbor, right near my boarding school, uh, by Sleeping Bear Dunes in Michigan. Okay, they had a they had a converted a flour mill into a really cool recording studio with individual hmm. booths and rooms, and oh my god, it was awesome! Right, but right uh, alongside the Crystal River. Wow. And and so we were able to uh, isolate some of the instruments that way. Like, like the harp, sometimes you want to isolate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you can get a better tone. And some of the other instruments, too. And um, he had a pretty good setup, I thought, for our, the way we did our music. It wasn't a Christian studio at all. It was just a regular studio. You guys created this music, but I think somewhere in here, um, before you guys uh, got to the recording studio, you know, you you talked about earlier being in the loft days where you guys were studying a bunch of different, you know, uh, Eastern religions and any kind of religion you guys were seeking. So maybe how did how did you guys uh, make the journey to Christianity? Um, If I'm, you know, if I'm kind of sharing the story right but i'm just kind of curious how did you guys uh, what was the thought process inside the community that drove you that way so shippen had a uh falling out of a tree experience where he uh he was in a he was had climbed he was in new Paltz. he was uh doing some work i believe he was building a, a set for a for mushroom or some company theater company and he 
and he climbed up in the tree and he fell out and he and he had a born again type experience mm. where uh he he you know uh believed that Jesus was the the true leader and that Christianity was the the you know he'd been raised Episcopalian but it was just you know one of those things where you just have that personal experience yeah where you're born again mm-hmm. and you know and he he would talk about that quite often at at the at our concerts but he had his experience then he kind of left the law for a while went up to Roger and Claudia's and we I followed him. So uh-huh. did Steffi and David and a couple other people. And yeah. at that point, some of us started having our own conversion experiences. I had mine up, you know, sitting in a, in a, in a garden in a church area. Mm-hmm. And um, David, I don't know where, when yours was, but each person had their own individual experiences. And we, and we put aside the, the, other, the other religion mm-hmm. and, and focused on Christianity. Part of that, too, was... Shippen became a butler of Canon West at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. Okay. And Canon West entered our lives at that point and began guiding the group, and especially guiding Shippen. Okay. And um, he was an Episcopal bishop at the cathedral. Wow. A and... canon, actually. Wow. Actually, he was a, yeah, he was a sub... He had a title called Sub-Dean. Um, sub-Dean, yes, that's yeah. right. And this is a guy who patterned himself after... Father Zosima and the brothers Karamasov. Okay. Um, yeah. As a kind of invisible leader from a power perspective, but more of a spiritual guide. Sure. Um, yeah, not pushy, not pushy at all. Yeah. Mm. No, it yeah. sounds. It sounds. Um, it kind of sounds. You know, in a really interesting way, how uh, Shippen might have just. He kind of let his. He did his own. He had his own experience, but it didn't seem like. Um, seems like everybody had their own. Uh, was was given room to be able to have their own experience. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, uh, yes. Yeah, for me, it was like more, more um, it was a bit strange because I was raised um, as a Jew. You know, I actually, hmm. well, the first part of my life was in an Orthodox household. Like if, you, if you've ever seen the Netflix series Unorthodox, yeah, kind of, yeah. it was almost... We, it was almost like that. Wow, we I'm just watched... A... Lucas and I just finished watching that, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was almost like that, except um, my foster parents were not quite as observant mm. as all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a lot of... And culturally, is very similar. Um, and then I, when I got to um, middle school, I went to um, a boarding school, which was Reformed, and that's where I was born, Mitzvah. Um, and, um, but what, what happened was, um, uh, I was like 11 or 12 years old and I was studying with an art teacher who, even though he's at a Jewish school, he was agnostic, atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I painted this thing that looked like a crucifixion. He says, oh, you just painted a crucifixion. Mm. And I go, what is that? Mm. You know, so, um. <laughs> I, I had to explore Christian what that was on my own because he wouldn't tell me, mm-hmm. and um, and I just believe the whole thing. You know, it's like, oh, the resurrection. That sounds just like Superman. You know, yeah. Like you know, you know. I mean, that's how I that's how I related to it. 
And I was a big Superman fan, you know, it's like, wow. So this is like saying, you know, that, you know, that supernatural occurrence is real. And I, I just bought right into it. Yeah. Um, although as a teenager, I was not particularly, particularly religious until I got to be like 17 when I met the trees. And then I was studying Christianity. I was studying Buddhism on my own, you know, doing those things. So I fell right into what the group was doing, you know, with those things. Mm. Um, yeah. And at the outset of the stuff, you know, like Jesus was just floating around, you know, and just that, you know, Christ got more and more in focus and mm -hmm. other things became less in focus. I think part of that is that, um, like, Judaism and Christianity are in, were indigenous to us. Mm-hmm. So we naturally circled around the things that were in our backyard, you know, sure. and that, yeah. that was, that was part of it, you know, sure. like if we, you know, if, if we were actually into that or actually, you know, in Iran or something like it might've been different. I don't know, you know, but because, right. yeah, we were, you yeah. know, you know, because, you know, and we he, came from our backgrounds, we came from our own cultures, you know, yeah. I, you know, you know, we identified, um, as Christians that way. Um, and uh, for me, later on, I had this actual um, born-again experience. You know, it was, it was in um, a suburb of Chicago where, um, you know, I felt what you would call a baptism of the Spirit, mm. um, where I, was, I felt like I was born again, you know. And I started to see and feel things very differently after that just in terms of relating to ordinary people and objects and, you know, trees and nature. And I mean, it was all very different for me after that point. So it's it a very dramatic thing. Hmm. Um, and I think, I think too, behind the scenes, don't you think David, that Cannon West was guiding the group, you know, sort of, because yeah. was always writing him and he gave yeah. us different things to read, like the Philophalia or yeah. he was from a yeah. in the exactly. beginning, he was yeah he was yeah. guiding us from afar and yeah. specifically uh, helping us find ourselves to be a religious community eventually to become a religious order. So, mm -hmm. but it, that was very slow to go. I mean, it wasn't. He wanted us to get out there and experience the church, all the different variations of it, all the different you know uh, Baptists or whatever Hutterites or or. Franciscan monks. He wanted us to get out there and see all the different uh, varieties of of how Christianity can can be lived. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, this was this was also at the time when the the, the charismatic movement was taking yeah. off big time. Yeah, right. the Jesus so, movement. Right. Yep, the Jesus movement. So so that was part of what he wanted us to experience too, and then come back to New York later and get, get directly under his uh, guidance. So you created this music, though you're in your you you record it, and um, then you 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 guys kind of do that in a way where you get in a bus and you start to stop at different um, churches or gatherings, right, and play your music. So you are right. sort of getting that experience where you're you're interacting with other people of faith that are have different backgrounds and probably even denominations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so we spent three months living in a Hutterite farm, you know, and that's mostly to live, um, 
And and for a lot of that, I don't think we were musically active. Hmm. Um, Not too much. Those, Not as much. No. For for those couple of months, we were just learning to do farming and singing these ain't you know, 16th century hymns hmm. along with the Hutterites or 17th century hymns along with the Hutterites. Yeah, um, German hymns too. Yeah, who, German. Who 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 basically um basically but fundamentally uh hadn't. Um, changed much since since they they founded the place like you know um, a century ago you know Our whole vibe was more about meditation and, um, um, you know, coming out of that Eastern tradition and everything. Um, just, um, you know, being much more um, low-key, you know, uh, yeah, meditative. More con- yes, more Medi- contemplative, yes. Yeah. You could hear that. So, you can definitely hear that in in the recording. You know of the songs. It it um, has like um, a meditation quality to it, where it's kind of repetitive at times. It you know speeds up and slows down, and and so you know I can definitely hear. It's funny as you guys are talking about your experience. Um, I think it opens your eye or. <laughs> you know, your, your, uh, your ears, uh, to a whole new experience of where these, these influences might've come from, um, because it is a very eclectic, uh, um, project, but you, you guys have had a very eclectic experience up until this point, it sounds like. Right. Right. And I think too, each place gave us a gift of their, their, uh, musical traditions too. So the Hutterites had those beautiful hymns they sang as they worked out in the fields or in baking bread or whatever. So that brought some of the hymns into it that we would search those out. Right. We stayed with the monks. They had their beautiful Gregorian chant. So we added a couple chant, uh, Gregorian chant to some of the uh, some of our our performances. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. Some places we added some of that. Some we didn't. I mean, it's, some we kind of thought was a little schmaltzy, so no, it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that's, was, a, that's, was... a, that's a really cool way to look at when you're listening to this project, to think about you guys having this musical, not only this geographical journey, but um, picking up little bits and pieces from the places that you stopped off, not all places, but some, and it it really, um, came together in your music, which is in, and in the art that you guys created. Um, maybe you can explain a little bit about what the, what the name, how you guys came across the name, the trees community. It's from Isaiah 61. Um, you shall be called, the trees of righteousness planted by the Lord for his praise. Um, and it's actually um, the scripture that Jesus used to start his ministry. Mm. Same scripture. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and and when a lot of um, priests are first um, 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 anointed as priests or um, welcomed into the church as, as priests, um, that's the scripture that's that's read from. So, um, you know, it's, um, so, you know, I, I think we identify that with that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially since that particular piece of scripture references the downtrodden, you know, um, the liberation for captives and, you know, um, it's all about redemption in a very broad way. Mm-hmm. And, and I, we really, um, you know, I, I resonated with that, and a lot of people in the group resonated with that. So that's how it became our name. Yeah, um, that's cool. The, you know, the original name was the Symphony of Souls, which came out of the way, you know, we first did our music together. Despite yeah, actually, name. the very first name was the New York Tent City Symphony of Souls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that was too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I have this memory of going to, uh, you know, we would do this thing of walking around Manhattan sort of on these pilgrimages, um, off, often without any shoes on. And we would, so one of the places we went to was St. Bartholomew's Church. So we just stopped in there, and one time we stopped in there. Um, we were sitting in the back of the church, and the choir was practicing. And they're all the way at the end of the other, other end of the church, you know. So, um, but we're sitting there, and suddenly they get up, and the whole choir comes toward us and surrounds us and starts singing. Huh. This unbelievable music. And I think after that, um, you know, we just started doing, you know, just singing. You know, we didn't sing anything specific like, you know, Palestrina, which is what I think they were singing. But, you know, we just started singing these chords spontaneously. Um, we call them chance chords, um, or they were just sort of like the kind of five-part harmony you hear in sacred harp singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah. you know, we just started doing that. Um and we sounded really well together, you know, um, and so that became part of our um, our way of communicating, you know. Mm, yeah. Because the other thing is, when you got eleven people on a loft, you know, I mean, you kind of like run out of things to say after a while, and then, <laughs> um, you know, and then trying to talk together becomes a mess, also. So right. you know, this this became a way of, you know, um, you know, doing that. Feels a little bit more yeah. like or- organized communication, huh? Yeah, and pl- and then we went and did that also underneath the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, in- underneath those chapels. There's an area that has the most awesome yeah. acoustic. And so if you do that spontaneous singing, no words, just, you know, the melodies and tones, and it, 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 it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, we and recording we would that. do that. We would do that, and we'd sing in subway stations also, yeah. which often yep. have a lot of great acoustics. Yeah, um, that did too. Yeah, we take our instruments out uh, and play them marching down the street sometimes. Remember that? 
Yeah, I do that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of it was kind of strange carrying a tambora down the street. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slightly, you know, slightly. Right. That's fun. So it reminds me of like Woody Allen trying to play a cello in the marching band. So how did it all how did it all come to a close? I mean, it, it other than the the cassette tape that that didn't work out at, at all, you had this one other um, uh, the original piece of music that you guys the first time you guys were ever recorded, which turned out pretty well, and then you had this uh, Christ Tree uh, collection of songs. So you know you guys had this thing going, and and what kind of uh, dissolved this whole thing so uh we lost some people at church of redeemer uh and we were to, i would say we were together at least five years david before you left we're yeah I, I left in the winter of 1974 to go to college yeah so or actually okay so four years and so yeah. we we were at Pecos. That was a uh, religious monastery with uh, men and women, n- nuns and monks living together. Where, where was we that? Tra- where was that located? That's in Pecos, New Mexico. New Mexico. Uh, it's called Our Lady of Guadalupe, and that's still there, as a matter of fact. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we we used that as a home base for uh, probably a year and a half, hmm. and finally, and we'd travel the West Coast and do a whole circuit performing in churches and prisons and schools and everything, come back, write more music, change up the whole concert, go back out, do another circuit out west or maybe uh, other places. And then finally, Shippen felt the call to come back to uh, start up a religious order under Canon West tutelage under his guidance. And so we, or I reluctantly, everybody else wanted to go, but I didn't. That place was gorgeous. <laughs> oh my god new mexico is so beautiful anyway so we had yeah. to leave there i mean i lived in a little log cabin that was so beautiful yeah, it was, um, the whole monastery god. was was in adobe style architecture oh, oh wow yeah it was you know, beautiful in this, and it was next to this lake, lake yeah in the middle, lake. um river oh. going right oh, through the god. property and that, this because it was so high up and clear all the time, you go out and be like being in a planetarium. Oh, wow. so beautiful. I mean, yeah. it was heaven. So, I yeah. mean, they had a retreat ministry there, so we would try some of our songs out on the retreat for the, for the people who came from retreat. But eventually, uh, Shippen felt a call to come back to New York City. I thought it was a mistake, but I was outvoted. So, <laughs> we <laughs> came back to the city and yeah. uh, stayed in uh, in um uh, at the, on the cathedral grounds for a while, but then we got an apartment directly overlooking the cathedral, and yeah. we became artists in residence at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, uh, and that became the base. And then we played uh, weekly in the chapel and did that for a number of years. 
And then David left uh, because he went to school. Well, the thing the thing that happened first is the cathedral ran out of money, mm. and yeah. in running in yeah. running out of money, they also ran yeah. um, that's right out of money. You know, any you know much ability to deal with us. You know, they because we were we weren't bringing any money into the cathedral. In sure. fact, we were taking money out. Right. You know, we're borrowing. You know, essentially borrowing money from them, and um, and that you know wasn't working out. Um, and that created a lot of stress in the group, um, um, for everybody. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it, a lot um, of stress. Yep. Yeah. Well, we came, well, there were a couple of factors. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, the, the other issue was our mixed sexual identity and, um, yep. you know, there was, um, a lot of confusion at the time, even among, you know, people as, um, progressive as Madeline Langle and Ken and West who were mentoring us of what, you know, what to do with that. You know, hmm. um, um, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like now where in the Episcopal church being gay is, you know, is very accepted, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, for the most part. And then it was, um, you know, it was hard. It was, um, like, you know, should gay people, you know, be celibate or not was something um, Shipman was dealing with and Ariel was dealing with and um, and what Stefan was dealing with, you know, those were the, our three gay members. And, um, you know, we all just started splintering apart. So the combination of, of the, the whole sexual identity stuff and, and also of us, um, you know, the financial strain on us, yeah. A lot. And the other aspect of the financial strain was the only way for us to survive was to keep touring, you know? Right. So, right, sure. you know, so we'd always be on the road. So, a lot, you know, if you're going to attract people, a lot of people don't want to be living on a bus necessarily. You know? <laughs> um, so, you know, that was, um, you know, part of it. And for me, um, you know, it was like, well, how do I do another bus tour and, attend college you know right right so right right I'm fr- you know i'm freaking right. out about that i'm freaking out about that and shipman gets mad at me for shipman got really mad at me at one point for you know for making that an issue and i you know it's like okay yeah you know um so i you know i just um you know i just the irony is i felt that the only way i could contribute back to the group after a while since I was so young was mm. to actually go back to college and get a degree, you know, get my art degree. And, you know, um, um, I just felt like I, you know, I needed to do that. So it was horrible. It was mm. really hard. Yeah. Because you have such a wonderful ministry and then to have that die. It's, uh, wow. Mm. Cause you worked. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like so many, and you know, so many shared experiences at a pit at pivotal moments in your life and your emotional growth, your spiritual growth. It's hard yeah. to, it's hard to, to close the door on that. Um, I'm sure. So. Sure. And then you feel like you're a family. I mean, we, we, we weren't just a religious order. We felt like we were a family. Wouldn't you say David? Yeah. It felt like a family. There were relationships yeah, yeah. that were very, very deep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I and I in I had to go through ten years of therapy to get over that one. Let me just tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
so hard to let that go. And it will still cause me to tear up. So how does it how does it make you guys feel, you know, knowing that the music is going to be kind of unearthed and, you know, it's never gone away, but just it's becoming more, you know, it's coming back around a little bit. And um, I'm sure that has to help with a little bit of the healing. Well, as mentioned, I've been working on a book on this, so I've been unearthing a lot already. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was yeah. I was actually hoping to coincide trying to get it um, in the public domain, um, you know, with, um, you know, the music resurfacing. Um, so I think it's a very valuable experience to share with people. Hey, thanks again for listening to Bear Tone Podcast. I want to thank Lucas for helping produce the show with me, Old Bear Records for being an amazing group of folks, and Sarah Bridgman for creating the artwork for the show. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Old Bear Records. That's patreon.com backslash Old Bear Records. We have some really cool exclusive content for our supporters. And this support goes a long way in helping us build our little community. So check it out. When I first heard that we were going to be reissuing the Trees community, I really had no idea how impactful to me hearing not only the music, but also the story behind the music. I think back to my early formation as a musician and a person trying to develop some sort of spiritual practice and faith and find a ton of similarities in my story and the story of the Trees. Community is such a powerful influence and really does shape you if you let it. Sometimes cultivating community is very hard. And oftentimes, you don't realize what you got until it's gone. But its mark never leaves you. I'm going to let you listen to what David has to say about this as we close. And I hope that this thought encourages you to continue to always seek community first. That's what Old Bear Records has always been about. We are the upstream sound. We swim upstream together. We get tired and worn out together, but we also celebrate the victories and the many twists and turns of life that contribute to the fantastic music we have the pleasure to call our own. So let's wrap up this interview with some closing thoughts from David and Catherine. Peace and be kind to each other. We live in a time that's much less forgiving, you know, mm-hmm. um, with far fewer opportunities for people to find themselves the way we were able to in our group. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very va- valuable to share, you know, that experience of being able to find redemption, you know, mm-hmm. even if for a short, t- short time, you know, we found, you know, this redemption. and. Um, even though the group dissolved, our individual faiths um, have survived. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all these yeah. years, um, and um, and that was the foundation, you know, for that for that faith. So, um, I think sharing that is is very, you know, 
is is great, you know. And I think um, for me, that's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So um, I'm very excited about this release of the vinyl and the fact that we're actually doing it with a formal a formal campaign, you know. Yes. Which we never yeah. did before. Yeah. 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 So that that will help a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a gift to be able to get that out there, and and uh, and I'm very pleased with that. I I'm so overjoyed actually that 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 we can get it out there again. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? You that's don't right. Just have your music played in the closet and no one hears it, right? That's mm. right. Nations with jewels set in gold. 